Thanksgiving to you and yours from the Lions 24-7 podcast. It's Andrew Callahan and Sean Fitz getting you ready for Penn State's regular season finale against Maryland on Saturday. It's going to be a 3.30 kick for Maryland Stadium. Lions going for back-to-back 10-win seasons. Maryland in a very different place, 4-9. Again, they're on their third, fourth-string quarterbacks at this stage. So nothing really new there, even when you just go back to last year. But a lot of different dynamics at play. We're going to go over all of those here Normal rundown. We did the three, two, one uh, game breakdown. We are going to return to that this week, and we have fake mailbag questions because we did not ask. Because this is an early edition of the Friday episode, and it's Thanksgiving, so why not do all fake Thanksgiving questions? We're just going to keep you or catch you off guard with a Thanksgiving show. Um, yeah, obviously we're recording on Wednesday, so things could change before then. But uh, yeah, thanks for joining us on this Thanksgiving or Friday or even Saturday morning before the game. Um, yeah, we're not. Uh, this is this is not our typical routine. So we might be a little bit out of sorts, but uh, are you okay? I feel fine. I'm rambling, man. Like self, I'm waiting for you to save self handicapping in the first minute really bodes well for the rest of the pod. Yeah, how about it? Okay, all right. Well, the rest of the pod will go as follows. We got our quote of the week, tweet of the week, some recruiting buzz when Penn State has the ball, when Maryland has the ball, the three, two, one, which I mentioned, and the fake mailbag questions, which uh, is going to be interesting because the couple that we tried out initially just off air, we are on opposite sides of a number of these. So this might just end up being a first take segment uh first thanksgiving can't wait there will be yelling involved i'm sure (laughs) just like thanksgiving dinner yes all right well there's no yelling allowed at the franklin household on thanksgiving because as we learn on tuesday at his weekly press conference it's very informal now they're going to have some players over some lower level staff members over um with, with james his wife and his two daughters and they don't dress up they hang out play ping pong and as he's explaining this he offered up our quote of the week which goes quote I'm hoping that they'll come and slobber on my couch and eat turkey and just chill. That'd be nice. It sounds it sounds like a nice little uh, nice little day at the Franklin household. Slobber on the couch. It's like you know you're having a bunch of dogs over for. He, he can afford to get it clean. He just got an extension. <laughs> It'll be okay. This It'll is be, true. Yeah. Just as long as the missus is, is okay with that, of course, because yeah. you know. And on top of that, um, on a more serious note, really cool thing from Sean Spencer this week. Uh, the Wild Dogs handed out, I believe, 68 turkeys um, to those less fortunate. So yes. kudos to him and the defensive line. Um, the, a lot of it was behind that Wild Dog shirt that they've been selling, which, you know, it's is pretty cool to pump that back into the community like that. So um, on a serious note, that's pretty cool. But on a uh, Franklin and Thanksgiving note, what do you think he'd be like to hang out with on a holiday? I mean, he's, he's, he's so go all the time. So I'm just curious, would he sit on the couch? Would he just hang out, play ping pong? You mentioned he's a ping pong player. I'm so glad you brought that up because uh, one of our colleagues, you know, on the beat asked him who's the best ping pong player on the beat. And, or um, excuse me, on the staff. Yeah. And he goes, well, you know, I can hold my own. And then slowly went, you know, Joe's pretty good, Joe Moorhead. And then that's really where it left. He goes, it's probably a battle between myself and Moorhead. And my first thought is this has got to be pay-per-view. So I, I think, honestly, it's probably – all go until you're kind of told to just chill out. I mean, of course, you want to steal those moments when you can during the season where you can relax. Uh, and the, the turkey is naturally going to take its hold and as well as the full meal later on. But, I mean, you got football on. You've got ping pong going. I'm sure there are going to be plenty of people that want to play. I'm not sure if you really take it down a notch until you sit down for the meal. Well, I mean, that's true. And then, But Washington's on later, so it has to. all the fun has to end at some point. So Yes. Wow. Shots. <laughs> anyway, um, getting back to Moorhead, Franklin, hey – 
coaching searches, not at Penn State right now, which is good. Um, but a couple of years ago, we were following planes. I was going to say, how many heart attacks did you almost just induce yeah. right there? <laughs> we, were, we, were, we were tracking planes. We had people at the airport. It was fun. Now it's great to watch someone else do it. Uh, coaching searches are uh, just insane. Uh, highlighted this week, uh, Flight Aware is obviously a popular site these days with Florida fans, Tennessee fans. UCLA. UCLA now in the mix as well. Um, but uh, Zach Reagan or, or Reagan, I'm not sure – he runs the fan sided site or writes for the fan sided site at Tennessee at Zach TNT. Yes, noted this week that on Flight Aware there was a somebody changing their personal wing number uh, or tail number or whatever tracking to go uh, from Starkville, Mississippi to Tuscaloosa to Orlando to Boca Raton to New Hampshire. <laughs> it was an amazing troll job, and I'm right there with him. It was incredible. Obviously, Dan Mullen at Starkville, Nick Saban, who right. is obviously not going to Tennessee or anywhere else anytime soon in Tuscaloosa, Scott Frost, the hot name in Orlando, Lane Kiffin, which would be amazing to see him. Oh Tennessee. my god, the return. And then Chip Kelly in New Hampshire. So plane tracking, man, it's a trip. I know our board uh, on Lines 24-7 was really big into that and they were actually really good at it. I mean, it was it was a little bit different the first time around when Bill O'Brien got hired than sure. with James Franklin because James Franklin was the first name that we mentioned coming out of the coaching search. So it wasn't that hard to track you know, whether or not he'd be coming to Penn State or, or whether the, the interest was legitimate. But mm-hmm. To somebody to troll someone like this is is hysterical and kudos to whoever has the money to have the plane to mess with these many people. Yes, and also kudos to Zach. I mean, he won our tweet of the week there, and he said this is art. I think that's the perfect way to put it because he masterly, you know, combined all of these locations with that one tracker. So there's no there's no hint anywhere in one direction about where this could go because it's going in every possible direction, even the most ludicrous with Tuscaloosa. But it will be very interesting too with Chip Kelly apparently down to Florida and UCLA. He's going to take his pick. That doesn't affect Penn State in the least, but um, it is that time of year, and I think we're going to have some surprises. I mean, uh, Kevin Sullivan's going to be out of Texas A&M. Again, not to scare anyone, James isn't going anywhere. No, he's not going to Texas A&M. No, no. but it's, uh, you know, this will not be the last of the flight tracking tweets that we have. Similarly, this is about to hit into recruiting season heavily with early signing period. Lots of talk this week, which was interesting. Um, Audrey Snyder, you know, DK Pittsburgh Sports, asked a couple of the players on Tuesday who we get to see after Franklin leaves the press conference. And it was Marcus Allen and Trace McSorley. Of course, they were recruited years ago. Um, but she asked, what would you have done had you had an early signing period available to you? And it's an interesting question, not only because it's, you know, the prominent players, but in that instance, each of them, had they committed to James Franklin at Vanderbilt, would have been stuck. Mm-hmm. Because in Trace's instance, you know, commit in December, James moves on from Vanderbilt to Penn State, and he's there, and he kind of admits it, which is an interesting dynamic that I think is undersold a little bit when you're talking about putting these classes together, because really it's just, let's get the kids in. Well, things, you know, are not all settled by September or December. Yeah, well, I think that's why we've seen some of these schools try to get on the ball. I mean, you, you want to put together some... Some sort of a semblance of a class in December. And, and of course, if you're signing with that coach, the new coach in December, if, the, if it's named between now and December 20th, that's a good thing because you, I mean, you're set. You're set. Whereas, you know, Trace McSorley, if he would have signed in, you know, in December, James Franklin didn't, you know, it wasn't on the radar until Bill O'Brien left on Christmas Eve. So, I mean, that's a completely different situation. But yeah, these, these kids, you know, I, I I, I would hope there's some sort of out clause um, with the head coach getting fired. I don't really see the need for one with a position coach or a recruiter or something like that because you know the risk at that point. But right. a head coach just turns everything because then you you lose that position coach. You lose that recruiter. You lose basically any staff that you may have gone on a visit with or anything like just that. Just the so, relationships across the board. Yeah, so – 
you know, some of those guys may may end up getting, you know, screwed by this. But hopefully, you know, with basketball, there, there have been instances where guys have been released with uh, with a head coaching change. And I think that's definitely the way to go. OK, very good. Now, uh, this is going to be my last part to contribute to the recruiting segment here. But also speaking with Cam Brown before we had the press conference, we were asking him as a Maryland native, you know, what was that dynamic like? Because, of course, he commits, comes on board, you know, just after T.J. Durkin arrives at Maryland. He did not have an offer from Maryland until Durkin's arrival. And this is a kid who had more than 20 offers, of course, was locked into Penn State. And he was saying to him, it's almost a little bit of a front. He doesn't care so much, but it clearly he cared enough to bring it up to the media saying, it'll be nice to get back to a school that didn't really offer me. Hold on. Who was the coach at Maryland before DJ Durkin? Well, Randy Essel. That'll explain it. Yeah. Uh, and they did not do a good job recruiting a lot of those schools, Bullis School included, where Cam Brown went. So, um, but yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's one of those things where, you know, Maryland should have offered him or at least, you know, been on the radar with him at some point. Uh, and, and to do that is pretty much inexcusable. But, uh, you know, it, it's whatever. Cam Brown was a guy that, you know, not every school was completely sold on because he's 6'5". He was, you know, 202 pounds or whatever coming out of high school. Notre Dame liked him. Penn State liked him. Where, you know, some of the other schools, even schools in the region, you know, Maryland included, weren't crazy about him. So I get it from that aspect. But if you're Maryland and you're trying to at least – do a power play or something like that. And, and a lot of this goes back to Randy Edsel and, you know, he showed always does here on the pod. Dude. I mean, no, you're right. What are you doing? You know, I know you're a UConn guy, so you've been around. Well, I, I was there during his tenure, but right. I was not following recruiting in the latest. And, you know, and again, was much more of a fan capacity at that time, but all the, all the guys that, you know, I, I saw as a kid, you know, and players are gone. Some of the stuff that they did. I mean, the, the thing that sticks out to me about Randy Edsel is he told a kid one time or his staff told a kid relaying from Edsel that they didn't want to be the first school to offer. They wanted to be the second school to offer. Now, if you let that sink in for a second and you try to figure out what the hell it means, I, I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I, Ahmed Gafir does a, a really good job covering Maryland and he just would just rack his brain trying to figure out what that staff was doing. Now, to Maryland's credit, they got DJ Durkin in there. They've got a good staff in there, including former Penn State graduate assistant Tyler Bowen, who's put together a really good offensive line class. I mean, the the difference in staff, it, it just – it can make all the difference in the world for Maryland because it's, it, they're no longer as incompetent as they once were. Again, the relationships, yeah. which was the entire reason that Trace was going to go to Vanderbilt with James Franklin right. and why he's at Penn State uh, right now. Last note, I lied earlier. I guess this is my final note, re-recruiting. How many final notes do you have? Well, I don't know. Maybe this is a changing of the uh, recruiting Season guard here. note, yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, Cam Brown and Lorenzo Harrison running back from Maryland go back all the way. He called it Little League. I have to imagine that's really Pop Warner to where they were on the same team and in practice they would get uh, the coach would get annoyed with their offense Cam Brown then played center Lorenzo Harrison who Cam describes as being the same size then as he is now you know, a right, huge yeah. bowling ball running back would then flip over to nose guard and whenever he would flip over there to try and stop the offense Cam would just cut him <laughs> they would they go back a ways didn't go to the same high school have reconnected since and I said is, you know is he going to cut you this week because of course Cam's now on defense Lorenzo on offense he goes man I hope not so it'll be interesting Cam Brown seeing a lot of time at Will and Sam linebacker as of late. And this concludes my uh, recruiting stories and analysis. Well, going back to that, a lot of those guys, I mean, they know each other going back. I remember going to uh, see a workout at Brian Bell's place. Brian used to be a, a strength coach for Penn State. And now he's with the Texans and Bill O'Brien. And it was Marcus Allen, Mark Allen, uh, Lorenzo Harrison was there, Tyler Green, who ended up going to 
Indiana from DeMatha was there. And, you know, it's just a bunch of guys. And, and the camaraderie that you have in that area, which is a, it's kind of a different area because you've got a ton of skill players, some linemen, but some of the some of the top linemen in the country. And then there's a big sort of drop off to the other linemen. But, um, no, it's it, the camaraderie that they share. And there's a bunch of groups down there and seven on seven and perfect performance and prime example and next level. Nate, just everything down there. And it, they all play off of each other very well and that and you see that i mean a lot of these guys on this team you know will go over and have conversations with players after the game or whatnot and families know families and everything like that so it's been pretty cool to watch you know as these kids grow and you know into college players young men and all that kind of stuff they they keep those bonds dmv is very tight area despite the you know the 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 population density it's not always easy to get around to things like that so and, and you see a lot of that overlapping on the roster these days yeah marcus allen was even telling us that uh, on Tuesday, but again, not to retread, you know, some of the content we've had on the week. Uh, moving on, Marcus Allen, you know, one of thirteen Maryland natives, and they've had some close recruiting battles actually with the Terps. Tariq Castro Fields comes to mind just last year. Yeah, Tariq Castro Fields on signing day um, sort of kept everyone in limbo, and Penn State was actually pretty nervous, um, even though he told him early or he told James Franklin early in the morning that he was committing and signing with Penn State. They kept waiting and waiting and waiting for his paperwork to come through, and it never did. Not even before he uh, he publicly announced at his school um so yeah they were a little bit worried um but uh in the end uh castro fields i think was a guy that you know really wanted penn state beforehand maryland made a big sell um coach azar who was a head coach at friendship academy went to bama came back and is doing a phenomenal job recruiting uh for the terps in the defensive backfield um you know he he pushed and pushed and pushed and, and really made him have second thoughts. So, and I think uh, before the season, I ran a story on that. Um, if you want to go back and check it out, but no, um, Sean really wants you to go back and I, check I would, out. I would read Castro fields preseason story. Yeah. It's really, really good. I think I don't remember. Um, <laughs> but no, um, th- there's been some battles. Um, Ellison Jordan was a guy that, that, uh, Maryland went hard after Aaron Monroe, whose older brother, Andre was a defensive tackle for Maryland, a very productive defensive tackle. Uh, Cam Sullivan Brown is a freshman wide receiver. Ellis Brown, Brooks is a freshman linebacker who Maryland was in on, you know, before a lot of the bigger schools took notice. Uh, Shane Simmons, kind of different. Um, he was big time from the start, and Maryland, where they were at at that point, really wasn't an, uh, a factor, but they tried to flip him eventually. Um, and I, I look at the, the roster now, and there's only one guy that was committed to Maryland, at least off the top of my head, and going through the roster real quick, and that was Jonathan Thomas. And his career at Penn State has really not turned out to be no. as he expected it to when he flipped from the Terps. Um, had a great freshman year um, playing on the scout team, but he's been hurt ever since pretty much. So, um, yeah, so I mean, some good players um, on Penn State's roster, a lot of them younger, and uh, a lot of younger guys on the Maryland roster who you know had legitimate Penn State interest. Uh, you look at the 2017 class, Kasim Hill, Anthony McFarlane, um, offensive lineman Jordan McNair from uh, McDonough, where, where P.J. Mustafer is from. Tosh Capehart's a guy that uh, you know Penn State wanted. He co- originally committed to Virginia Tech, and Maryland did a great job and flipped him at the end, uh, at the end of the cycle. Um, so... I mean, it's just it, it's a sense where the battle when you look at 2018 or whatnot is is fairly one sided with Penn State and Penn State's obviously having a lot more success on the field. Right. As we said, you know, last week or a couple of days ago, yeah. not a whole lot of overlapping. Not not a ton. I, I, I still like Jalen Duncan. I think he's a very good offensive lineman that's committed to them. A couple of Penn State legacies in that class, Chance Campbell, mm. Brian Cobbs. Um, so Maryland's doing some good things, um, not to get too far off uh, off of, uh, of the track here. But, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's been cool to watch the overlap Penn State sort of weathered the fire with the new coach bump and now they're sort of recruiting on a, on a different level but Maryland's still pretty much holding their own aside from going head-to-head with Penn State 
Okay. Uh, you know what I just realized? We skipped over it, – it's not really a big note, but it should be the biggest clarification of the week. Okay. Michael Parsons tweeting he has been accepted into Penn State. This is not a commitment. This is a, hey, yes, officially, if you can come in academically, everything's cleared. That's about it. It's not really news. It's not really news. Um, it's good that he applied to Penn State. I mean, <laughs> I guess Solid that's a good sign. thing. Um, what, what's interesting about the Parsons news, and I think a lot of people may have taken it a little too far, he's going to apply to Penn State. He's going to apply to Nebraska or Oklahoma or Georgia or wherever else he's looking just to know that he can get in. The big thing, I mean, he posted on Facebook. Facebook that he's been cleared for spring arrival at Penn State, um, which I think is bigger news than anything. So, you know, if he does commit to Penn State, and I've got my crystal ball on him, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. If he does, he can be an early enrollee and come in right away, which I think would would help him immensely to get into the spring and get into the, um, you know, just sort of the habits of of being a college student athlete and everything like that. Um, If that can happen, I think that can be a really big deal for Penn State. Now, of course, not over yet. I think the the biggest news of the week from Parsons beyond all this, they lost in the district fi- or the district semifinals to Governor Mifflin last right. weekend, which nobody saw coming. Everybody saw Harrisburg rolling through to the uh, state finals or whatnot. So, what that does is it opens it up a couple of weekends. He's going to go down to Georgia, check out Georgia um, on an official visit, and of course, I think it clears a little bit more time for Penn State's official visit. We expect that to be the the weekend of December eighth when all the commits are on campus, um, you know, as as well as Tyreek Smith coming in. Um, so. Good news, I guess you could take it that way. I mean, he's he's still going to see Georgia, but I don't, I don't see Georgia being the big threat or anything like that. So, um, so I guess good news and bad news. Obviously, he'd still like to be prolonging his uh, high school career, but at the same time, you know, that all signs point to, to to it being a fairly good news for Penn State. Really quick, I know proximity to home has played a large role in his recruitment. Um, is that the biggest reason why Georgia is not necessarily a player? Because, I mean, they're putting together a, a top class just as Penn State is. I think so. Um, you know, I've always thought that it would stay closer to home. Uh, Penn State, Ohio State have always been the two that have jumped out. I don't think he's an, he's an option for Ohio State any longer. So when schools come in like Nebraska or Oklahoma, I just have a tough time seeing him go that far away from his family. Okay. Um, they can't see him play, obviously, um, you know, unless uh, you know they, they uh, you know his dad does work for an airline or something. So that helps. But at the same time, you're not guaranteed to see him play seven or eight times a year in a, in a home game. So um, so I think when you're talking Micah Parsons, I think it, it's kind of not not a deal breaker to go away from home, but I'd be very surprised if he did. All right. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, big time playoff performances this week. Uh, Taquan Robertson, or excuse me, Taquan Roberson uh, from from North Jersey, 2019 commit uh, for Penn State, threw six touchdown passes last weekend in the uh, state semifinal game. This kid's a baller, man. Uh, to put on the uh, <laughs> that sounded really, really uncool. Well, uh, you, saying t- that. you told us 17 yeah. minutes ago. I'm going to be uncool. <laughs> yeah, this is not going to go well. That's probably and you fulfill your promise. Yeah, I'm right there, man. Uh, but six <laughs> touchdown passes. I, I like his accuracy. I mean, he's only six foot. He's only 185 pounds and maybe with some rocks in his pocket. Um, so he's a developmental guy, but you know, he, he's accurate. He can move when he needs to, I think four carries for 47 yards. Um, so Roberson showed a lot this weekend and he's going to continue to do that. Of course, he's got a whole nother, uh, senior season to work with uh, a guy that's trying to keep his senior season go going uh, Ricky Slade. I mean, <laughs> freaking kid is shot out of a cannon whenever he, whenever he's got a hole uh, ran for 300, 
120 yards in a uh, in a regional semifinal last week, upset the number one seed in the region. Um, they've got a regional final this weekend. So I uh, can't wait to see what he can do. Nine touchdowns in two playoff games says something about Ricky Slade. Probably one of the guys I'm most excited to see down at the Under Armour game when I go down there in December, uh, early January. Yep. Running back's not always showcased, but you want to see his athleticism. You want to see him pop. It's something we saw in Miles Sanders a couple of years ago. And, you know, it's part of the reason 24-7 sports had him ranked so highly. I think he was the number one running back or the number two running back in the country in that class. So um, really looking forward to see, seeing him. Um, unfortunately, not going to see Jesse Lukita in there. He did not win the fan vote. I think we may have talked about that last week, though. Probably um, did. But, uh, yeah, it's going it, to – it's a couple of uh, a couple of Penn State commits doing really, really well in their playoffs right now. Very good. All right, moving on to current Penn State players. When Penn State has a ball against Maryland, again, big favorites. There's not a whole lot of excitement around this matchup naturally, so let's get into some of the finer points. Ryan Bates could be back. He and Ryan Buckholz dressed before the Nebraska game home finale it's a good sign yeah. there's a chance he could play in my mind if he does return that'll bump will fries from left tackle to right tackle which no matter who's played that position this year i mean it's really just been a sore spot for this offensive line but overall the o-line found itself i wrote about this a lot until the tape this week they were much more physical and it sounds so silly because you know we've asked the players coaches how do you just get more physical nine weeks into the year they said well it's a mentality why haven't you done it to date well you can't really explain that because the habits they develop and showcase on saturday are built sunday through friday which of course we are not privy to i mean we see practice for 10 minutes and that's about it but whatever's going on there has changed what happened on saturday against nebraska another team they also just matched up very well against nebraska did them a lot of favors rushing just three they don't have a whole lot of speed and i think speed and quickness is something this offensive line which got much bigger over the offseason has struggled with well that's not going to be the case against maryland i think you could see perhaps not 609 yards again but when penn state has a ball they should be able to move maryland up front yeah i think so I mean, maryland's got some talent in spots and we talked about that and you know the, the injury they, they've not been immune from the injury bug either so you know just not a very deep team right now um so penn state should be able to move the ball um will they have as much success Success as they did on the ground next week, I don't think so. But adding Bates back in there, if he does play, I think you know it makes a world of difference because you know as you've mentioned in Taylor Tate, Chaz Wright has not been great. So getting Will Fries out there, moving him back to the right side, um, you know he's young. You don't want to move him back and forth too much, but at the same time, he's, I think he's your better option at right tackle. Defense is giving up thirty-four and a half points per game, and again, that's with talent and spot. So it's you know you see a variety of offenses within the Big Ten. You know they were able to hang with Michigan State recently last week. A very different offense for Penn State. Uh, Jermaine Carter Jr., linebacker. He's leading tackler. Four forced fumbles. James mentioned him on Tuesday. He's been a player for them for a while. I really like him and what he brings to the table for them. He's bounced around a couple of different systems during his tenure um, at Maryland. You know, in the back end, Darnell Savage is a good cornerback. He's a guy I liked coming out. He's from Delaware. Delaware kid. I was in the same class as Quadri Henderson, who's at Pitt. Um, but yeah, I, I like him. He's a he's a longer athlete, um, can move around, and you know he, he can get his hands on the football, which he's done this year. Okay, we mentioned you know offensive line should generate push. That's because the defensive line again not very good. I mean, I think they've left something to be desired uh, for the Terps so far this season. And, you know, will Barkley get going again? And the biggest issue for them is always just the negative plays. I mean, yeah. two, two tackles for loss against Nebraska, one of which was a sack when Trace ran out of bounds when he could have just flipped it, you know, out and, and had an incompletion. And then the other one was a sack. So if, if they're able to replicate that, perhaps not the long gains, but just the fact that Barkley isn't stopped before he can get going in the backfield will, will do wonders for them. 
And, you know, again, Penn State, uh, fast start. They've been so good at that this year. And I think not only does it just help you on the road, get the you know crowd out of it and all those things that everyone references, but it puts a Maryland offense that's so rooted in its run game and limited through the air right. behind schedule and in a position really where it can't come back. I think that's the, the biggest thing in the game. I mean, Maryland's not going to throw to beat you. Um, they're down to their... 12th quarterback or whatever um so it's going to be really tough and i say that every you know every time penn state seemingly faces someone like that they go out and have the game of their life but horton schlager i I don't think is that guy so um if they get behind they're probably going to keep running the football similar to what Pitt did earlier uh this year against penn state and you just i don't think you're going to make up ground like that especially with how quickly penn state can score so we talked ryan bates two other players i want to say to keep an eye out for it's juan johnson he has had two excellent back-to-back games here against rutgers and then nebraska you go okay well it was rutgers and nebraska but it was such a jump in just his ability to break tackles make spectacular catches on the sideline had you know some good speed running away from guys over the middle looks and more just, confident yeah, yeah and just all the tools put together so if he can sustain that again of course he'll still have one more game in the bowl game but that just does such wonders for you not only have you been out there for a whole season but you peaked at the right time um, for him to really step up and perhaps make another leap next year the other one is going to be nick bowers i mean they, they've rotated in at tight end a little bit more it's a function of garbage time but also the function of they had better depth there which we talked about a number of times and and he's, you know, we haven't seen Jonathan Holland in a couple of weeks, but I wonder when Holland does return, if he does supplant, you know, if Bauer supplants Holland because of the time he's seen and how productive he's been. And of course, that spot's going to be open with Mike Kosicki set to graduate. Yeah, absolutely. If, if Nick Bowers is healthy, I mean, there's a lot of people really, really high on that kid before he, uh, before he hurt his hip last year. So um, I, I think that you know, Holland is the guy that's gotten this, the practice snaps and the experience and everything like that. And even to the middle of the season, we weren't really sure if we would ever see Nick Bowers, but he's been out there a little bit more. He's blocked a little bit more. He caught the touchdown pass on his first career reception last week. So, I mean, you have to be a little bit optimistic. Granted, you've, you've never seen enough to, to, to like the position next year, but you have to be a little bit more optimistic, I think, because Bowers is probably more of a, you know, of a solid type guy than, than Holland, who, you know, has, has flashed at times as a receiver. But also really just a natural finished. tight end too. yeah I mean yeah. no position switch there he's been really good uh Miles Sanders too which we'll be talking about him non-stop yeah. from the offseason yeah but I, I think this running game is going to be fine in 2018 uh partially credit to Sanders and that offensive line but again uh previews of coming attractions here we're not going to spend too much time on Miles Sanders while Saquon Barkley is still in a Penn State uniform now when Maryland has the ball uh speaking of running ball it, it's basically what they want to do as often as they can they'll mix certain things up they spread it out they'll go no you know, tempo, it's no huddle, kind of check with me offense. But the two biggest names you need to know, Ty Johnson, Lorenzo Harrison, very good running backs. They've got a good changeup and, again, can really wear down a defense if you don't succeed on first down. Yeah, and they've done a good job building an offensive line. Of course, they've had some injuries and things like that. But at the same time, you know, some of the recruits that, that Durkin pulled in early in his tenure were, you know, sort of big-time, you know, offensive linemen like Damian Prince, guys like that. So um, so they can run. I, I think Penn State will be okay. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, you're bringing more people into the box, and anytime Penn State has faced a team like that, they've been okay. This is not a, a, a an offense that you're going to see the quarterback take off or anything like that. So it's just your standard sort of, you know, hand the ball off and go sort of offense. So I think Penn State will be okay in that situation. Um, might might crack a couple of runs, um, you know, especially if, if – 
if alignment is off or something with Troy Apke being out of there. But at the same time, I mean, Penn State's a heavy favorite for a reason. Yes, they are. But those are the two names to know. Ty Johnson, Lorenzo Harrison, Max Bortenschlager's their quarterback. Another year, just horrendous, horrendous injury luck. I mean, it's just really unfortunate to have your season not tanked, but early in the year where you just know your your hopes and dreams of the best case scenario are just immediately shot down when you have you know multiple quarterbacks go down. He's not very mobile, completing just over 51% of his passes. Does have 10 touchdowns to five picks. But when he does drop back, here are the other two names to know if it's not going to go to Ty Johnson and Lorenzo Harrison. DJ Moore, very good wideout. Drew a Chris Godwin comparison on Tuesday. Mo tip kid, Pennsylvania kid. But Franklin mentioned him a lot. I bet he wishes he recruited him a little bit harder. But go on. All right. Uh, and Tavon Jacobs, who has come on as of late for Maryland. Between Moore and Jacobs, they have 74% of all passing targets this year. That's astounding. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I, I did not realize that until you brought that up. But that's, yeah, I mean, good players. But at the same time, I mean, there's no bailouts or anything like that going elsewhere. So No, I mean, if you know, you're going to give the ball to your best player. But 74%? That's a lot. That's a lot. I know Penn State has spread the ball around a lot, so nothing close to that from from this side of things. But uh, yeah, that's a lot. Okay. Uh, last note: When Maryland has the ball again, Penn State, you know, should control the line of scrimmage. And I think the biggest indicator of what might come on Saturday is when you look at Penn State against other run-based offenses. Iowa. Michigan comes to mind. Michigan State, you know, had success through the year, but on the ground was really limited. And this is a defense that's ready to compete on the ground and, and really control the game. And particularly because you might have a true freshman starting at right tackle. You mentioned injuries along the offensive line. It's been a solid group, but a true freshman against Sharif Miller for four quarters. He was a co-defensive player of the game against Nebraska. You so almost called that. I yeah. almost did. I was, why didn't I pull the trigger on that? Because that would have given me – never mind. We're going to talk about it on Monday. Right. Predict the presser has taken a sour turn. Um, but Sharif Miller was really, really – Really good, and it didn't show up in the stat sheet necessarily. But he, he got the honor from the staff. I, you know, gave him a shout out on Twitter and wrote about it until the tape. But if he's lined up against a true freshman, I don't, I don't care if you're a five star kid. Right. Like that's going to be a problem for that kid. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Miller I think has improved. It hasn't shown on the stat line, but yeah, I think he can have a. Uh, he can be one of those guys that takes a step this week and gets to the quarterback. Especially he's not not particularly mobile back there. All so. right, the return of the three two one. Oh boy, breakdown. All right. Penn State's offensive line versus Maryland's defensive line. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh, Penn State, I guess, probably one of the few games this year where they, they should have the advantage on paper. I feel like your excitement has downturned. Is we just Are you just getting tired? Are yeah. You, you're okay? It's like, it's, I'm so close to turkey, man. So close to turkey. <laughs> the trip to fans already hitting before you've taken your first bite? Yes. Okay. Very good. Oh, uh, yeah. Penn State's offensive line versus Maryland defensive line. Again, not necessarily an advantage here from Penn State, but the opportunity to, to just move people. And, and even before Saquon had that 65-yard run, which was his first touch against Nebraska, you know, they were hitting people in the mouth. Trace had a nice nine-yard game that I, that I highlighted and won't talk about anymore, but I, I think the fact that they'll play some odd front which Penn State has had success with against this year and even last year. Um, and, and there's just not a whole lot of talent there that scares you. It's an opportunity for Penn State's offensive line to string back-to-back strong games together. And if they don't, again, that should be able to, of course, to limit Penn State's offense to keep Maryland in this game. Um, the other way that I think Maryland stays in this early is as you get a long touchdown from D.J. Moore, who will see a lot of Grant Haley and Christian Campbell. Christian Campbell has not been as good the last few weeks as he was earlier in the season, but teams now are just not throwing at Grant Haley. 
Haley. Mm-hmm. And I think that will be perhaps the best you know, one-on-one matchup in this entire game. Yeah, I think so. And I think you can see Haley on Tavon Jacobs as well. I mean, it's uh, oh, for sure. It's it's speed on speed there, so it should be a little bit fun to watch. Uh, you know, but I go back to Penn State's defensive line. They got to get home against um, them to help out the defensive backs, which we haven't seen in the last month or so. Right now, Penn State's defensive line is not our third matchup. Ooh. So I guess you just went with a two B matchup there. Right. Uh, linebackers versus the running backs. I mean, we haven't talked a lot about Jason Gabinda, Koa Farmer, Manny Bowen's not going to play. So Brandon Smith again getting the start. I think this just comes down to tackling and wrapping up. I mean, they're going to have the first cracks at Harrison and Johnson. Again, big plays offensively, which Maryland doesn't generate a whole lot of, is the quickest way that they'll be able to not perhaps get ahead or stay in this game. And, you know, when you've got two guys in Johnson and Harrison who are handing the ball as much as they are, that comes down to how well do your linebackers handle it. Yeah, and, it, and basically I think it's going to come down to how well they tackle. We've seen, you know, in times this this season, even against inferior competition, when they've struggled to tackle, they've, they, they've given up chunks and things like that. So, um you know, I hate to go 3B or 4B or whatever, but behind him, uh, you know, it's going to be Nick Scott, Aaron Monroe. So uh, you don't want to miss tackles to leave it open for a guy who's making his first start. Right, because Dre Apke's going to miss the first half, having taken a targeting penalty in the fourth quarter against Nebraska. Uh, but he'll be back for the second half. And, you know, I, I don't see there's any reason why Marcus Allen, who's taken a series, you know, off here or there as scheduled in the last couple of games, he'll play the entire first half and presumably much of the second. Moving on to concepts. Man, we haven't done this in a while. I'm like really dusting off the, uh, thinking here last year Penn State just crushed Maryland with the power read we've talked about power read numerous times here in the podcast basically it comes down to this when you see Penn State pull one of their guards it's typically going to be Steven Gonzalez and Trace is executing a read on the edge that's what you're looking for in in power read I mean they also hurt Michigan with it this year another odd front defense it's going to play a lot of man coverage and it's something that I'm curious how much they go back to because we didn't see it a whole lot against Nebraska and even Rutgers for that matter but because of the success from last year and the style of defense that they've been able to use that against, you know, and generate not only just tons of yards, but big plays off of it um, and see if they can distort some of the run fits for, for Maryland's linebackers. It'll be really interesting. Yeah, I mean, you get physical, you get confident, and you can get rolling, and that's when they like to go to the power read. And, you know, it's worked for them in the past, uh, despite what we've talked about with the running game all season. It's worked for them in the past. So they can go back to it against a team like Maryland, especially with, with them being a little bit thinner up front. Small note on that, uh, which is something I didn't write about till tape and i'm going to mention it now is that for those folks who want this kind of downhill running game they've actually run just straight one back power without a read each of the last two games where you'll notice them in the kind of that extended pistol and you'll have the pulling guard but trace turns his back and just hands the ball off mm-hmm. so congrats it's it's finally arrived we did um, yes yeah. <laughs> plays haven't been that great because steven gonzalez missed a block against Rutgers and then secured it and they had a solid gain but um the biggest difference downhill running though saquon lowering his shoulder and bowling people over which we saw a lot more against nebraska but no more sidetracks uh second concept cover one again maryland's been forced to play a lot of man-to-man coverage you know it's it's a coverage Penn State saw a ton against Indiana talked about Michigan some slot fades really solved it I mean they've got so many cover zero cover one beaters in that playbook you know Penn State shouldn't have a whole lot of problems but you know if they're not able to connect for whatever reason the receivers don't get separation it's probably going to be because Maryland's in cover one and, and having success with it yeah the smash fade will I think will be there again this week with Deshaun Hamilton I think they'll go to him fairly often uh, presents a mismatch in the slot we saw him actually move out to the X a little bit last week I believe. last couple of weeks last couple of, yeah last couple of weeks so um yeah i think that that will be there you know penn state you gotta like juan johnson one-on-one um if they get him down the field because he's taken his game to another level in the last couple of weeks so i think penn state will be just fine dealing with a cover one on to the bold predictions 
I think uh, Maryland's going to going to have to get tricky, and I think they will. I think they'll pull out some trick plays, uh, maybe one or two. Um, don't know what they've got in mind. They've, they've got some speed there. You can see uh, Tavion Jacobs, um, you know, maybe do some some crazy things. And and DJ Moore is a talented player. He can throw the ball too. So um, I think they'll get tricky. I don't know what they're going to do, but I think they'll get tricky and try it. You know, uh, switch it up on Penn State. And why not? I mean, they're not playing in a bowl game. End of the year. Don't hold anything back. Right? I wouldn't. I would totally empty out the bag of tricks there. there I, like, I like your prediction. All right. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, I'm going big short yardage stop for Penn State's defense. And this is an area that actually caused some concern. I wrote about maybe a month uh, month ago that if you're really looking for a weak spot, you know, in the, in the past rush systems, you know, trumped that and taken its place in terms of areas of concern. But short yardage is not an area Penn State has been particularly strong in this year. However, Maryland is, is just right down there in the bottom of the basement with them offensively. So I think It'll come down to a moment where they need a third and one, fourth and one, and Penn State is going to make a stand, and that's really going to kind of turn the game here um, in College Park. Well, I mean, if you're a Penn State fan, you're hoping that's fairly early in the game because you don't want to yes. see any turning points in the third or fourth quarter. Um, but yeah, uh, mailbag. Yeah. Fake good Thanksgiving mailbag questions. Yeah. Yes, by me. Okay, leading off, classic Thanksgiving question, uh, dark meat or white meat? White meat. Uh, white meat and gravy. You can make up the difference between the dark meat and the and the uh, moisture. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's white meat for me, and, and I and I especially like that for leftovers, sandwiches, and stuff like that. It just sticks together a little bit more. Okay, bad start. Okay, good finish. All right. You don't have the white meat on Thanksgiving because you save it for leftovers. Hmm. Thanksgiving also is a day of gluttony, which of course dark meat has a little bit more fat in it and it's juicier. So save the gravy also for leftovers. Maybe a splash here or there, or maybe you know make the little kind of volcano puddle in your uh, mashed potatoes yeah okay but well, i'm a big mixer of everything though so okay that's it. and then just douse it with gravy i'm so kind of getting this image of you and your small sons doing all of the same thing on their plates and just mixing it all up and you kind of basically yeah that's about right <laughs> yeah um but dark meat okay next question best pie pumpkin versus apple you know what? This is close for me, and I know a lot of people don't like pumpkin pie. I love pumpkin pie, but I'm going to go with apple. Um, there's nothing like a good apple pie. Uh, you know, it's just the, the when the spice is right, it, it, it can't be beat. I mean, it's the it's in my mind, it's the king. Okay, apple pie is arrogant. <laughs> It is supposedly the most American thing out there. You can make it any time during the fall. No one is going to turn down apple pie, and apple pie knows it. I'm going to turn down apple pie on Thanksgiving because this is pumpkin pie's day. I have loved pumpkin pie for as long as I have loved, I think, anything. And this is – I'm going to take this to the grave. It is the best pie. Okay. This is the day where pumpkin pie should be featured and featured alone. Apple pie, you take a back seat, and we will see you next fall. I love pumpkin pie, and I don't think I deserve to be on the, the tail end of that rant. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrifying. You said it was close. Okay. Go but ahead. this is more about apple pie and all the pub and all the commercials and everything that it's had. This is Pumpkin's Day. You leave it alone. Um, what's the best time to eat the big Thanksgiving meal? I think everyone has like probably a small breakfast, but then there's one big meal later on. When, when do you sit down? That's mid-afternoon, uh, 1 o'clock, 1.30, something like that. Okay, Give so that's really time. early afternoon. Yeah, and then you don't have to watch the Lions or whatever. So I think that makes sense for everybody. So. Mm, Lions could get like 12.30, I think, though. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to watch them. So you watch the beginning when it's closed. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then you tune in later for the Matthew Stafford comeback. Man, it would, it would of course, always be nice to have a big meal with your family. But I have to say, after your first three answers, I'm glad we're not sharing Thanksgiving. Because the, the right answer here is three or four. Because you have that small meal, naturally you're going to be hungry at lunch. But the difference is this meal – 
tides you over for the rest of the day. Right. Like if you have it at one, naturally you're probably going to get hungry again at eight or nine no matter how much you ate. At least I am. I fill, I fill the kids up at one, put them down a nap. That's that's the way to go. I, I think we have different outlooks on this uh, sort of situation. Yeah. I mean I, I'm going to tell you I'll probably unbuckle at like three o'clock then just stuff my face. And of course the nap is probably still going to come. You know what? This also with the three o'clock, you bridge – the Lions at Cowboys game. So 12.30 probably ends around when you sit down, 3 to 4. And then Cowboys kick off at whatever it is, 4.30. And then by the time you're asleep, you don't have to watch Giants Redkins at night. How about Thank that? God. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to poke at that wound again. Uh, skins are not not good. Falling apart. They're, they're actually not bad, but they just don't do good things at, at bad times. So Very good. Anyway. Line, Lions 24-7 podcast featuring Redskins talk. Um, and then – Sorry, everyone. Lastly – how do you handle that one crazy relative, typically an aunt or an uncle, who just wants to talk politics or otherwise the most unpleasant things at the table right when you sit down? Oh, man. Um, hand him some pie, preferably apple. but you know. Right off the bat, throw him off. Do, do preferably whatever. apple. You have to do whatever you, you have, have to do to stifle or... that conversation. I just – no. Turn football, turn it up, do something. Don't talk at the table if you need to. So Okay. I'm thinking uh, multi-pronged attack. You, you get – you have wine at your table? For Thanksgiving, right? Yes. Okay, okay. So there's the red it's wine. Family gathering. Okay. Obviously. Well, I don't know. Like you know, <laughs> the beer, the wine. You know, start them out right away. Empty stomach. Have it hit early. And then here comes the dark meat with more tryptophan, of course. Which yes. fun fact? There's more tryptophan actually in Swiss cheese than there is in turkey, but it gets much bub because Thanksgiving. That was a fun fact. Yes. Yeah, it was good. Um, that'll probably put you to sleep, much like the tryptophan. So you, you shovel all the <laughs> wine. They're and already asleep. <laughs> the wine and beer early then you get them with the dark meat and then just whenever they're full no just keep going you want them as full and as napping as quickly as possible and that way it's not even a matter of you have to fight over anything it'll just get them to stop talking in the first place sounds good to me and if not you just leave quieter the better okay speaking of which Thank you for joining us on uh, on the Lions 24-7 podcast. We are thankful for you listening to us, rating us on iTunes, and following along every single week. Um, obviously, it's the end of the season. We might have some uh, some format changes as we get into things that we don't have as much time to talk about or we have too much time to talk about things. Um, so thank you for joining us. It's been quite a ride, and I guess we'll see you uh, maybe next week. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thanksgiving, everybody.